Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back, Better Power Podcast Network. This is the podcast to be named later. I am your co-host, Stephen Tolbert. Chris is out of town this week on a well-deserved vacation. Uh, I haven't talked to you guys since um, Sean and I did the post-game recap for Game 4 after the Braves lost the series in 4. And obviously when I talked to you guys last time, I was not in a great mood and I was pretty frustrated and annoyed and, and... you know, that that show was pretty much done out of necessity more than anything else. Um, but, yeah, it's been about a week, probably a little over a week since I've talked to you. We're already, this is Wednesday night. Uh, they're playing game three of the ALCS as we speak. But, yeah, I thought I'd get back and talk with you guys. Um, you know, we have a lot that's going on on the site right now. We're going to do, when Chris gets back, we're going to start rolling out full 2023 recaps and reviews of, of all that happened. We'll we'll go player by player and do, you know, kind of a full look at 2023 in, in review. Uh, but at the same time, we're also going to do, you know, look aheads to the off season that's coming up and, you know, have all sorts of commentary on, on things that the Braves need to do, things that Braves could do. And that's what this episode is going to be tonight. This is going to be pretty much a an off-season primer where I go through the roster, uh, the 26-man, the the 40-man rosters, look at each guy's contract status, and you know, and kind of set up the offseason. There's not going to be a whole lot of commentary in here. We're pretty much doing kind of the kind of the nuts and bolts of what's going to happen this offseason. What you know, 
who got who's available, who's you know who's under contract, who's not uh, arbitration extension candidates, sixty man uh, or sixty day IL guys. What happens to those guys once the season ends? Um, you know that sort of stuff. So we're just going to go through the roster, kind of guy by guy, and and look at everybody's contract and, and see where the Braves are going to go this off season. And yeah, that'll be tonight's episode. So yeah, the easiest way to kind of break this up is we're going to go, we're going to do it in kind of groupings. We're going to start with the guaranteed contract guys and then kind of make our way down the roster, different contract statuses of, of all the players on the 40-man roster. So we're going to start with the guaranteed contract guys, the, the guys that are under contract. We know we're going to be here. Um, you know, we know how much money they're going to make. There's, there's really no uncertainty. And we'll start with them and we'll kind of work our way through the roster. This group of guys, this first group of guys of guaranteed contracts is mostly position players. These are, you know, if you follow the Braves for any amount of time, you know the Braves pretty much lead the world in, you know, everyday players signed under contract, everyday players who have signed extensions. You know, the Braves have more certainty in their starting lineup than probably any team in baseball. And so you'll notice most of these guys in this group are everyday players, position players. There's a couple pitchers, but um, it's mostly position players. So... Starting out with Austin Riley, you know, obviously the biggest contract on the team, the longest contract on the team. He's under contract next year for $21 million and then still under contract through like 2032 or something like that. So, um, yeah, he'll be around for a while. Matt Olson, same thing, under contract next year for $22 million. He's under contract till I think, 2029 or 2030. Um, so, yeah, he'll be around for a while. Uh, Marcel Azuna is next. Um, he's got one more year of, of money left on his deal, or at least guaranteed money. He's got a club option after that. But guaranteed money, he's got $18 million next year um, at the DH spot. So he's under contract for next year. Next up is Rocio Iglesias at closer. He's got two more years at $16 million each year um, before he's a free agent. So the Braves will have Iglesias for at least the next two years. After that, it's Ronald Acuna Jr. at $17 million. Um, You know, there's been conversation about whether or not you know, obviously Ronald's about to win the MVP, um, or at least most likely to win the MVP. And there, you know, there's talk about whether or not the Braves would, you know, rip up the rest of that contract and sign another contract. I don't know. I, you know, the major league teams aren't just known for throwing away value. And obviously Ronald's contract is an incredible amount of value. So uh, we'll see what they do there. As it stands now, he is set to make $17 million next year and under contract for five more years after 2023. So that's the current status. We'll see if anything changes. All right. After that, we have Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy comes in. He obviously signed his extension um, right after he got here last year. Um, so he's locked up for, he makes $9 million next year. He gets a kind of a bump after 2024. Um, he goes up to $15 million after that. But for next year, he's set at $9 million. And obviously he's under contract for like five or six more years. So he'll be here a while. All right, then after that, we've got Michael Harris, who obviously signed his extension last year as well. Um, he's still pretty modest at $5 million next year. He'll see small gradual bumps as he goes, but, yeah, obviously he's locked up for the next seven or eight years too, but his is still pretty manageable at $5 million. And then you have Travis Darnot at $8 million. Um, he's got one more year of actual guaranteed money and then a club, a club option for 2025, but he is under contract uh, next year at $8 million. Um, and then we have Ozzy. You know, Ozzy's deal is probably the best value of any contract ever, even probably more team friendly than Ronnie's. You know, his deal was one the one that really set people off kind of when both of these deals happened at the same time. But 
Yeah, Ozzy makes seven million dollars next year, and he makes seven million dollars the year after that. That's the mat. That's the the very top of his contract, which is just it's still absolutely bananas to me. But yeah, he makes uh, seven million next year. He's got another year of control, and then two more team options after that. And then obviously Orlando Arcia, um, he signed his contract last year before the season started. Again, dirt, dirt, dirt cheap. He makes $2 million next year. He's got a, another $2 million on his deal in 2025 and then a club option after that. And then the last one is Tyler Matzik, who's kind of signed his one-plus-one deal last year um, after he was going to have uh, Tommy John surgery. So um, he makes a guaranteed $1 million next year and then has a um, a club option after that. So that's the guaranteed money. It's Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's 12 guys that um, are – have guaranteed contracts next year. We know exactly how much they're making. We know they're going to be on the team. Barring injury, those 12 guys are kind of locks into the roster. So that's kind of the easy group, right? That's the group where you don't really do anything. You know, maybe they do something with Ronnie uh, with his deal. But other than that, you know, this group is pretty much set. They've all gotten their contract and, and they'll play out next year as is. All right, after that, we get to the guys who do not have guaranteed money yet next year, at least not anything more than a buyout. Um, most of these guys have buyouts on their deals, but you know this next group of guys have options that the Braves are going to have to either decline or pick up. For options, you usually have five days after the World Series to decide whether you want to pick up the option so guys can enter the free agent market if you decline it, or obviously they'll know what they're making if you uh, pick up the option. And the Braves have, uh, let's see, they have five guys uh, on this list of who have some sort of option to pick up. So we'll just go through this list real quick. The big one everybody knows about is Charlie Morton. Uh, he's got a $20 million club option for 2024. The club hasn't kind of said one way or the other what they're going to do, obviously. But, you know, if you read the tea leaves with the Cal Wright injury already being kind of short on the rotation side, it's, it's probably pretty likely that they pick this up. Uh, I would say the only caveat to that is if they negotiate maybe a smaller number, you know, another one plus one deal, they could kind of tear this contract up and, and do a one plus one. But one way or the other, I do expect Charlie to be back this year, assuming he doesn't retire. I guess that would be the only kind of, you know, the only thing that would put a wrench in that is if he doesn't want to play anymore, obviously he could retire. But if he's still available to pitch, then I expect uh, the Braves to either pick up the option or to renegotiate maybe a smaller number uh, either way, I expect him to be back in the rotation next year. Uh, the next big one is Eddie Rosario in left field. The team holds a $9 million option for him next year. This one's a little more up in the air. Uh, I could see them. I could see it going both ways. You know, we'll kind of leave it at that. I, I, I don't know which way they're going to go on this. I can make an argument for either one. But, yeah, Eddie's got a $9 million option, and obviously what they do there is going to determine a lot of what they do in left field for next year, even if he's – a platoon guy he'll be the strong side of a platoon so you know he would be the big piece for left field if they picked it up and if they didn't pick it up then obviously they've got to make a move there after that you have colin McHugh, who has a six million dollar option for next year again bullpen depth being what it is i could see them going either way on that my guess is they decline it but you never know what they're going to do that one has a one million dollar buyout so colin is guaranteed at least one million out of this contract um, if they do if they want to decline it then uh, they do have to pay him $1 million. So it's really a $5 million option, I guess, is a better way to say it. And then uh, the last one, or the last of the team option guys is Kirby Yates, who uh, has a, 
a 5.75 million option club option for next year. Same thing. He's got a $1 million buyout. So the Braves would owe him a million if they, if they decline the option, but that's obviously cheaper than, you know, paying 5.5 million for, for his services next year. So um, those are the team option guys. And then the Braves do have one guy who's got a mutual option. You don't see mutual options as much anymore just because they really don't make sense because there's always one side that wants out of the deal, right? Like if a guy has overperformed the contract, then he wants out of the deal so he can make more money. If a guy has underperformed the contract, then the team wants out because he hasn't been worth the money. So, you know, mutual options always get declined. There's always one side that wants out. So that's that's what's going to happen here. The Even though it's technically an option, you can pretty much go and guarantee that, that Brad Hand will be a free agent. The, the Braves are almost certainly going to decline his. He's got a $7 million mutual option. Uh, with a 500k buyout, so it's the smallest buyout of the three. Is the largest uh, guaranteed money of the three as well. So, um, yeah, you can be pretty certain that Brad Hand will be a free agent once we get past the fifth day after the World Series. After that, we move into the arbitration eligible players on the Braves roster. This is a pretty big list. This is the biggest list of the three so far. For people that don't know, arbitration is you know it's a, a contract format for MLB where players between three years and six years of service time are on a specific tract for payroll uh, where they make a a pretty set amount each year um, that escalates year after year depending on performance and it's based on player comps and you know players of similar talent level you know in recent history it's kind of used in a you know a pretty set format so the the numbers, the the payroll numbers are are pretty easy to project. Uh, MLB Trade Rumors has done a really good job of the last probably five years of of kind of being the the guys who lead the charge in, in projecting all the the arbitration eligible players' payroll or you know their salary projections for the the upcoming year. And so, you know, even if they're not exactly accurate, they're they're usually close enough where you can plug them in as kind of set numbers. And if it's different, it's usually you know, within the margin of error, like you're not going to be crazy off unless a guy signs an extension. That's the only, that's the only uh, difference is, is if somebody signs an extension, the Braves do have a couple of those candidates. So, but we'll get to that as we get to them. But yeah, so the Braves have 13 guys on the 40 man roster who are arbitration eligible. Some of these are a little weird, so we'll go through them, but the two big ones were just right off the bat are Max Freed and AJ Mentor. Both Max and AJ are set to enter their final year of arbitration. Um, like I said, arbitration is a, you know, it escalates year over year. And so the, the final year of your ARB is your most expensive year. An example of that is if you follow baseball, you know, Juan Soto has been going year to year since he came up, he hasn't signed any sort of extension and he's in his last year of arbitration, uh, this year coming up and his projection is like $33 million or something, something crazy like that. So, you know, as you, as you climb the ladder, it can get pretty expensive for the team as you get into the final years of arbitration. And that's where Mentor and Max Freed are. Um, you know, with relievers, it's never going to be crazy. Like AJ's projection for next year is is $6.5 million. You know, the Braves could extend him if they wanted to. They could also just go to year to year. If they did that, then he would be a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, but the big one is Max Freed. So, you know... Everybody's been wondering, will they, won't they, on a on a Max Freed extension? Obviously, we're to the final year of his team control. 2024 is his last year of team control. So if they're going to do it, it's going to be this offseason. Because once the season starts, just like Freeman, just like Swanson, 
once the season starts, you know, that that's pretty much done. Like once guys enter the season of their walk year, very, very rarely do they sign an extension after that. They usually just go, go ahead and go to free agency. And if he goes to free agency, it's very, very unlikely he'll be back just like Freeman and Swanson. So really we're going to know in the next five months what they're going to do with Max. Um, you know, because he missed most of the year um, with injury and he only pitched, I think he pitched like 10 games this year. His arbitration number is not as big as it could have been. If he had had a regular Max Freed year, um, he, I think, pretty easily could have gotten to about $20 million for his ARB number. Uh, but he missed so much time. You know, I, I think his current projection is like $15 million or something like that, which sounds about right. Um, but, yeah, you know, the big question is going to be, do they just, you know, do they just do a one-year arbitration deal like they have? The last two years, they've actually gone to a trial where, you know, Max files on a number, the team files on a number, and, and then a, an arbitration panel picks one of those two. Um, so they haven't even been able to come to a one-year agreement the last two years. So, you know, we'll see what they do. We'll see what happens. But that's that's the big one, right? That's the one that kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. I can't say I really have a read on it either way. I have no idea what they're going to do. My guess is at this point, like Freeman, like Swanson, they're not going to get an extension done, and he's going to go to free agency. And most likely this will be his last year as a Brave. But, you know, I've been wrong before. So um, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that as we go through the winter. But, yeah, those are the two big names, Minter and, and Max. Um, and then after that, you get into a bunch of smaller contracts. Uh, Yanni Chirinos is technically Arge Ellible. Um, he's got a... You know, his arbitration number is projected at $2 million. Soroka, I guess, is another big name. Um, the Braves have kind of held on to him this whole time, waiting for him to get back. This is his last year of arbitration, and he's got a $3 million projection. So, you know, that's real money. The Braves have held on to him for so long. I, I don't see them cutting bait for $3 million, but they could. You know, if they get if they, if they don't feel like he's going to add enough, you know, rotation depth and he's not going to ever get back to the guy he was, then, you know, they could non-tender him. I I would be surprised, you know, it would be a shame to let him kind of get all the way back to being Michael Soroka for another team. So, but that's a notable one at 3 million. Uh, Nick Anderson, who the Braves brought in last year, had a good year, ended up being being hurt at the end of the year. He's got, um, he's got a $1.6 million projection for next year. I'm guessing most likely they tender him a contract. Nicky Lopez is kind of the other big one in terms of actual real money. He's he's got four million dollar projection for next year. It's tough when the when the starter at shortstop is making two million and the guy in his backup is projected at four million. You know, I guess that could be kind of a thing. Just in, on its face, just in a vacuum, four million dollars for Nicky Lopez is pretty good value. He's a good player. He can play all over the field. You know, he's an elite defender. Um, he's a lot of it's a lot of insurance for only four million dollars. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. He is technically a non tender candidate, but. I wouldn't be stunned if they picked that up. Then that's kind of the 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 main guys, and then there's kind of another tier of guys who are, are less heralded. But Colby Allard is arb eligible this year. Ben Heller, Sam Hilliard. People forgot about Sam Hilliard. Michael Tonkin is a decent one just because he played such a large role. Um, Kyle Wright is a big name, but obviously he's going to miss all of next year with shoulder injury, so that'll be a pretty small deal. Somebody you probably didn't even know was on the 40-man, Andrew Velasquez, uh, who they picked up kind of late in the season. He's an ARB guy. And then Hoskar Enoa is coming back from Tommy John surgery next year. And so um, he's on there as well. He's the last ARB-eligible guy. So there's 
13 guys total, Mentor Freed, Trino, Soroka, Anderson, Nicky Lopez, Colby Allard, Ben Heller, Sam Hilliard, Michael Tonkin, Kyle Wright, Andrew Velasquez, and Hoskar Enoa are the Braves' uh, arbitration-eligible players this year. I would say if you're looking at the guys who are most likely to be non-tendered, just going through the list real quick, in my opinion, um, Trinos is definitely an option. Allard, Hilliard is definitely an option. I think they'll bring Tonkin back. Uh, Velasquez is definitely an option. Inoa is definitely an option if you know they need forty man spots. If those get if those if those get tight, so yeah, those are your thirteen are eligible players, and I'm pretty sure those have to be decided on pretty soon. I don't know the exact date, but it's pretty soon into the off season that because they have to be tendered contracts or become free agents. So that that happens very early in the off season, just so everybody knows who's on the open market and who's not. So that we'll get answers to all those relatively soon after the World Series end. After the ARB guys, we then get into the actual just free agents, uh, guys who don't have a contract, don't have an option, are just to the open market um, now that the season's over. Uh, the big names are Joe Jimenez, who was brought over from the Tigers last year. He only had one year of team control when they traded for him, so he's a free agent. Pierce Johnson is a free agent. There was some question about this in the regular season because he doesn't have a ton of service time, but he was a Japan guy, and they usually have uh, they have sections of their contract that allow them to become free agents if they ever re-sign with a major league team just because, you know, Japan is a professional league, and um, those years, you know, they obviously think they should count as service time. So pretty much all those guys have uh, clauses in their contract that allow this, and Pierce is one of those guys, so he is a free agent. Um, Kevin Pillar is a free agent. He announced something on – uh, on Twitter a couple of days ago, kind of thanking the Braves for the season. You know, what they do with him is going to be tied to what they do with Eddie Rosario. You know, obviously he would be the, the weak side of a platoon if they brought Rosario back. So if they brought Rosario back, they could probably bring Pilar back. It's probably a, a package deal, right? If you go get a full-time left fielder, then you obviously don't need Kevin Pilar as much, although he's a really good bench piece, so they might bring him back either way. Um, Jesse Chavez is a free agent. He signed a minor league deal. Uh, to start last year, and then obviously made the club, ended up converting to a major league deal, but he is a free agent. And then I'm going to put Brad Hand on this list because Brad Hand is going to be a free agent. Um, It's not official yet. He technically has a mutual option, but that will be declined almost certainly. So I'm going to go ahead and throw Brad Hand on that list. He is a, he's going to be a free agent. Um, And so it's actually a pretty small free agent class, just pure free agents. It's only five guys. And, uh, but yeah, those are the big ones. Probably Jimenez and Johnson are the two big ones just because they played pretty large roles in the bullpen by the time, especially Johnson. He was really one of their high leverage relievers. So um, it's not going to be cheap to bring either of those guys back. They had good years, uh, but both those guys are free agents along with the others. Um, and yeah, we'll see where they go. So those are all the major league guys that have actual, you know, contract decisions or have guaranteed money um, on the team. Obviously there's a whole nother section of players that are either minor league players or, don't have enough service time to even qualify as being on any of these lists. You know, Bryce Elder is an example of that. He's obviously a major league player, but he's only got a couple of years of service time, not even a couple of years of service time. So he'll just be, you know, guys who have zero to three years of service time are typically considered um, pre-arbitration eligible. So pre-arb guys are just usually renewed at the league minimum until they get enough service time to actually be able to make some real money. Um, but yeah, Bryce Elder's on that list. Obviously, there's Ian Anderson, who's going to be out next year with Tommy John surgery. There's Alan Winans. There's Darius Vines, Jared Schuster, Dylan Dodd. 
Um, you know, that's kind of the, all the, the minor league, major league guys, kind of the, you know, the 4A guys, the, the fringe major leaguers, A.J. Smith-Shawver is on that list as well, obviously. Um, you know, what they do with Hurston Waldrop is probably a pretty big storyline going into next year and probably will play a role in what they do this offseason. So his name needs to be mentioned if they, you know, if they think he's going to be a real contributor next year and he made it all the way to AAA last year, then that definitely can influence some of their decisions about depth. Um, you know, Smith Shaver and Waldrop probably specifically are their best pitching prospects. Um, they have a pretty clear hole in the rotation. I think rotation is going to end up being something they look at pretty hard this year, especially with a Kyle Wright injury and the fact that, that Max is only under contract for one more year. Um, I could definitely see them going to get a controllable arm this offseason, but, you know, all those guys I mentioned are going to play a role of some sort, um, along with, you know, Chirinos and Allard probably. And then, you know, A.J. Smith-Shorver and, and Hurston Waldrop are probably the two names that you need to know most in terms of prospects because they're really the, the, the cream of the crop in that class. If the Braves do want to make a, some sort of move in the rotation this year, then obviously all those guys I just mentioned are the internal candidates. If they need to fill spots internally, then those are it's probably going to come from that list of names that I just gave you. Um, you know, if they want to go outside the organization – Obviously, there's two ways to do that. You can make a trade or you can sign a free agent. In terms of trades, it's always tough to to come up with a list of names just because you never know who's available. Technically, Shane Bieber is available because he's going to get very expensive. It's his last year of arbitration for the Guardians who don't typically pay that much money. Usually, they trade guys at this point. So Shane Bieber is probably a name. Uh, Corbin Burns is probably a name just because of the same thing. He's in his last year of arbitration. Um, the Brewers don't typically pay guys. Um, you know, obviously there was all these Dylan Cease rumors in the offseason. I, I don't know if the Braves would actually pony up the prospects to, to get a guy like that. He's going to cost a lot just because of his team control. Um, you know, if the Braves want to go into the free agent market, obviously they could. It's not a great free agent market, honestly, but they could. You know, Blake Snell, uh, Michael Waka, Sonny Gray, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, Seth Lugo are guys who are out there, you know, I don't see the Braves going in a big multi-year free agent contract for a starting pitcher just because those are so incredibly risky. I mean, just so incredibly risky. And, and the Braves have not had an appetite for that type of risk since Alex has been in charge. This could be the year, but I would be very surprised if they were in the market for one of the top starting pitchers. You know, I could see them doing a smaller deal, something with some value to it, but I would be very surprised if they were, you know, if they swam in the deep waters of, of the top free agent pitchers. So, but obviously what they do in the rotation is is probably the biggest question of the offseason just because of all the uncertainty around it. It's really, you know, Spencer Strider and, and Max Fried are, are kind of the locks for next year's rotation. And after that, we really don't know. Bryce Elder should be there somewhere, but he struggled so much coming down the stretch that, you know, how much... You know, is he just coming to spring training to compete for a spot? Does he guarantee a spot? You know, what are they going to do with Charlie? Um, you know, are they going to add? Who are they going to add? How many guys do they add? Um, so that's probably the biggest question is what they're going to do in the rotation. And then after the rotation, obviously, is the bullpen, right? So that's kind of the next in the line. Um, Iglesias and Minter are under control next year. Obviously, Minter is an ARP guy, so his salary is not determined yet. 
but he is under team control for next year one way or the other. So, you know, you expect Iglesias and Mincer to be kind of the ninth and eighth inning guys again. Tyler Matzik should be back from uh, his Tommy John surgery at some point next year, so he's in the mix. I do expect they'll pick up Nick Anderson's contract or his R his R uh, deal, so I think he'll be back. Um, Michael Tonkin, same with him. But there's a lot of questions after that, right? Like Kirby Yates's option might be declined. Colin McHugh's option might be declined. Uh, Joe Jimenez is a free agent. Pierce Johnson is a free agent. You know, Jesse Chavez is a free agent. So, you know, that's a lot of the Braves' bullpen. And what do they do? That's, you know, another big question this offseason, probably a big focus this offseason, is they're going to have to rebuild the bullpen to some extent. You know, having Iglesias and Minter already there is certainly going to help just because you don't have to maybe go get the highest leverage guys. But, you know, those guys I just mentioned, I mean, Johnson, Jimenez, Yates, those guys pitched some big innings, Tonkin, um, Nick Anderson, they all they all pitched pretty decent, you know, high, you know, leveraged innings last year at, at different times just because of injuries. So I do think the Braves are going to make multiple bullpen moves this offseason. Um, you know, the big names, Josh Hader is on the list. I, I you know, I'm mentioning his name just out of, you know, necessity. I, I don't know that the Braves are actually going to be at the very top of that market. But, you know, I, I would have said the same thing about Will Smith and the Braves ended up doing that. But the fact that the Braves don't need a closer makes me think that's probably not a good fit. Um, you know, there's a couple – there's Jordan Hicks out there from the Cardinals who throws a million miles an hour. I, that is one thing I would like to see is I would like to see a little more velocity out of the bullpen – you know, guys like McHugh and, and Yates and Chavez, you know, they're they're on the pretty low end of the velocity spectrum, and, and the Braves had multiple of those guys last year. And we saw what the Phillies did to the Braves with all that velocity out of the bullpen. So, you know, Ronaldo Lopez is a guy probably to keep an eye on just because he's got a lot of velocity. Jordan Hicks, you know, I would be I'll, I'll be interested to see if they add a little more velocity to their to their bullpen. But you know, you can expect the Braves are going to make probably multiple bullpen moves this offseason just out of pure necessity because they're going to need to. So that's the pitching side of things. And then obviously we get into the position player side. You know, again, most of the lineup, most of the everyday players are locked up. There's really no, there's no questions going into the season. You know, catcher is set with Murphy and Darno. First base is set with Olsen. Second base with Ozzy. Third base with Riley. Um, you know, there were some questions about shortstop if the Braves would try to go get something a little better than Arcia. Listening to Alex talk in his postseason press conference, it really sounded like they were pretty happy with Arcia at shortstop. I know he didn't have the best offseason and, you know, all the Bryce Harper stuff and, and just his play on the field wasn't great. And so it's kind of soured some people on Arcia. But, you know, he bats at the bottom of the lineup. He catches most things that come to him. He makes no money, you know. There's certainly worse things you can do, and and if you know if you have to live with RC at short, so you can go do some other things in the off season with the money, you know, I get it, right? I'm not, I'm not gonna bang on the 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 table and say they need to go upgrade to RC. They could, they certainly could if something comes available. But um, I, just listening to Alex talk, I, I wouldn't expect it. I think they're pretty set on the infield. They're obviously set in right field. They have probably going to be the MVP in right field in Acuna. They're pretty, they're set at center field because they have uh, Michael Harris. Harris didn't have a great postseason, but you know, he's had a, he had a really good season. He's still very young. He'll get better and better. So, you know, obviously they're set at center field. Really the only question in the everyday lineup is left field. We're going to know very quickly what they do with Rosario because they have to decide within five days of the world series about his option. 
if they decline the option, then it gets interesting. You know, uh, you never know what they're going to do in left field. You know, they like Rosario. Rosario actually got nominated for a gold glove uh, right before I started recording this. And, you know, he actually had a pretty good year defensively. I don't know if it's gold glove worthy, but, you know, left field is a pretty low bar in terms of defense. But he had a better year than I think some people probably think he did. He had 21 homers. You know, the thing with Rosario is the is the streakiness, right? Like, you just never know what you're going to get month to month. You could get the greatest hitter ever for a month, and then you could get somebody that looks like they play, you know, they haven't played past high school uh, for another month. And it's very inconsistent. He obviously did not have a good postseason like most of the lineup. Um, so I could see them trying to go get somebody maybe a little less streaky, maybe not that much better as an overall player, but a little more consistent. Um, I could see that being something they want just so they're not so susceptible to these huge lulls and then being stuck with one if one comes in October. So uh, that would be the kind of the one caveat is even if they don't go get a better player than Eddie, maybe they go get a more consistent player. Um, some names to keep an eye on. Obviously, Cody Bellinger is the big name that everybody knows about that's that's hitting the market. Um, Tommy Pham is out there. Uh, Mark Canna is got a I think he's got a club option with Milwaukee. Uh, but I think a lot of people expect them to decline that. So he could be out there. It's not a great outfield market, to be honest, which might be another factor in why they pick up Rosario's deal. Um, I think $9 is a little steep for Eddie Rosario. Personally, I, I didn't like that contract when they signed it uh, two years ago. But, yeah, we'll see what they do. There's obviously some trade options out there as well. I'm not going to go through all the trade options because there's so many. But, you know, the the Braves, nobody had the Braves trading for, for Sean Murphy last year. So there, there could always be a, a crazy trade. Um, for another outfielder if they decline that option. And that's really the that's really the position player side. You know, the only other name that we probably need to talk about for a minute is Vaughn Grissom. And I, I do want to spend a second on this because I was tweeting about this a couple days ago. But, you know, Alex did his postseason press conference. He was asked about Grissom naturally. And he had some interesting things to say that, you know, he, he said that, you know, the infield spots are pretty set which I think most people know. I don't know if they see Grissom as a shortstop. I think they see him more as a second baseman than third baseman. But, you know, Alex said in his in his postseason press conference that, you know, Arcia has, um, you know, he's kind of settled at shortstop. And, you know, I know there's a lot of Braves fans that think Grissom should be moved to left. But that's the other kind of interesting thing, interesting thing he said was they see Grissom as an infielder. They don't want to move him to the outfield. They see him... You know, they think he his value is, is highest on the dirt. Um, the bat plays better on the dirt than it does in left. And so that leads to the question, right? Like, what are they going to do with him? The obvious, the obvious answer, right, is to trade him, right? Like, if you need some starting pitching, if you don't have a ton of money to spend, um, we don't know how much money they have to spend because we don't know how high they'll go. But, you know, if you want to save your money for something else and you want a, a starting pitcher, do you trade Grissom? Is, you know, is he the first guy kind of on the trade block? I think that's where we're headed personally, but I could be wrong. Um, but that is a name that we need to keep in mind as we get to this offseason because, you know, as the Braves get in trade negotiations for different guys, you know, Grissom's name's going to come up, and rightfully so. And a lot of people can read the same tea leaves that we're reading where there's not really a spot to play him. He's already shown that he can handle AAA. He doesn't really need to be in AAA anymore. So what do you do, right? That's that's going to be the big question for the offseason. There are most certainly teams out there that would take, you know, a 22-year-old middle infielder uh, 
who just had the season that he had at AAA. You know, he had a really, really impressive year at AAA this year. Most people think he's done with AAA. He doesn't need to be there. His bat is too advanced, and he needs to be up in the majors. And so there are plenty of teams out there that aren't as set, you know, in the infield as the Braves are. And, you know, could some of those teams who have maybe some young pitching that the Braves could be interested in, you know, could they match up in a trade? We'll see. It makes a lot of sense on paper, but, you know, you never know where the stuff's going to head. Um, you know, on the on the 40-man roster, the only other position players that we haven't mentioned are Forrest Wall, who should just be kind of a triple-A, you know, outfielder who gets called up occasionally. Luke Williams is just kind of a, a guy who could probably be replaced if they need a 40-man spot. Uh, Braden Shoemake is a guy who's going to be a triple-A still. He still hasn't had a, a really good offensive season down there, so... I expect him to be down in AAA again this year. And then Chadwick Trump has kind of been the third catcher for a while now on the 40-man. So, you know, that's really all of the position players that we've gone through on the 40-man. And, you know, we'll see who they add. You know, obviously Pilar got removed because he's a free agent. If they decline Rosario's option, then he'll get removed. Um, you know, Sam Hilliard's got to be tender to contract, which is certainly no guarantee. But, yeah, that's the, the position player side of the 40-man. All right, the last thing we're going to talk about tonight before we get out of here is, I don't know how many people know this, but there's no there's no 60-day IL in the offseason. Like, obviously, the Braves had a, a numerous, they had a ton of guys on the 60-day IL um, during the season just because they had so many pitching injuries. And once the season ends, once, or once November gets here, once the end of the World Series happens, the 60-day IL goes away. And you have to put all those guys back on your 40-man. And that's actually pretty notable for the Braves because usually, you know, you can subtract the guys who are becoming free agents. They they leave the 40-man, obviously. And then all the guys who are on the 60-day go back on the 40, and it usually ends up being a pretty even swap. So you're not really stuck with too many guys. The Braves had so many guys on the 60-day IL to end the year and have – not a ton of free agents that it's actually going to be a little bit of a roster crunch. Um, I'll just go through it real quick of the guys that ended the year on the 60 day IL. So you had, um, you had Colby Allard who ended the year on the 60 day. You had Nick Anderson, you had Yanni Trinos, you had Tyler Matzik, you had Dylan Lee, you had a uh, Soroka ended the year on the 60. You had Kyle Wright in the year on the 60 and you had Oscar, you know, in the year on the 60. And then on the position player side, um, the only guy is Sam Hilliard, but that's a ton of guys that either have to be put back on the 40 man once the world series ends, or they have to be, you know, DFA or cut or non-tendered, whichever applies in, in each situation. But, um, so the Braves have got some 40 man stuff. They got to figure out pretty early on. Um, obviously if they non-tender a bunch of their ARB guys, then that'll clear up a lot of those spaces. They do have some guys who they can get rid of. You know, uh, Luke Williams is probably the the number one name. Um, even a guy like Braden Shoemaker, who's not getting any younger and still hasn't hit at AAA, is probably not guaranteed a spot. You know, there's some pitchers that they could probably cut. Jackson Stevens is on there. Uh, Jared Schuster looked pretty terrible this year, so I don't know how interested they are in keeping him around. Um, you know, obviously we talked about Brad Hand already, who's almost certainly going to be a free agent. Ian Anderson is a name, you know, He's obviously going to be out for next year. He, he hasn't looked good in a while. What do they do with him? So there are spots, you know, if they need spots. But the Braves do have kind of a 40-man crunch coming up. And so that's something that they're going to have to deal with pretty soon because, like I said, once the, you know, the 60-day IL goes away in the offseason, once that happens, all these guys either have to 
get bit put back on the 40 or cut or DFA'd or, or non-tendered or something. So um, that's something to look forward to as we get, you know, through the World Series and, and into the offseason. And then one last thing, sorry, before I forget. So I did want to cover just payroll for one second. So the Braves carried um, about a $210 million payroll, 205, 210, depending on how much they had to pick up in trades on guys they brought in. But they, yeah, that's about how big their payroll was last year in terms of cash. Um, I'm not going to go into the CBT payroll because, you know, it, it's a lot more complicated and, and there's there's time to get into that. That that number is going to matter to the Braves because the Braves did go over the CBT, uh, CBT tax this year. But they've said in the past that they look at the cash, you know, when they're looking at um, what they have to spend. And so that's kind of what we're going to focus on. Um, so, yeah, the Braves carried a, around a $205 million payroll into this year. Um, they have about 131 of that committed already for next year. Um, they do have a decent amount coming off the books, obviously with with Charlie and, and Rosario. If those options end up being declined, um, you know, it adds up very quickly. If all the ARB, you know, if the big ARB guys come end up coming back, then that you know that jumps it up to you know, around the 150 mark. And then, you know, if they bring Morton back, if they bring Eddie back, then that jumps it up again to the 180 mark. You know, it it, it goes quick, right? It adds up quick. So, um, and then we don't know what their top number is going to be. Obviously, they had a really, really good attendance year. They sold out, I mean, they sold out damn near every home, home game. They had two uh, home playoff games. Obviously, not as many as they wanted, but, um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see exactly where payroll goes. Just, you know, if, if they bring back Morton, if they bring back Rosario, you know, just on the face of it, it looks like they'd have about $30 million to spend to get to last year's number. Um, you know, obviously I would expect that number to go up a little bit. So maybe 40 or 50 million, depending on what their, their CBT number ends up being. But, um, but yeah, that's payroll. You know, we're not going to get too much in the weeds in that until we know a little bit more about what's going to happen with these ARB guys and these uh, option guys, uh, those will tell a big part of the story. But, you know, that's kind of the ballpark numbers of where the Braves are uh, with payroll. So, so yeah, that's your kind of your uh, off-season primer. Um, I think we went through everybody. I don't, I don't think we missed anybody um, went through payroll. So, yeah, we'll obviously be here for the whole thing. You know, there'll be more commentary on these issues. You know, Brad and Scott will talk about this. Um, me and Chris will talk about it. Sean will talk about it. We'll write about it on the site where we actually dive down to, into these topics and, and really talk about, you know, a max freed extension or, you know, who, who to get in left field or the rotation stuff like that. Uh, this was just a kind of a nuts and bolts episode just to kind of go through exactly what the Braves have in front of them this off season. So you guys are informed about what's coming up and uh, yeah, I appreciate it. We'll be back next week and we'll talk to you guys later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.